Hello and welcome back to the podcast. We are now on episode 13 and this week I want to speak to you about um, what to do when you have hit or reached a plateau. So with your goal of fat loss, um, it's very common for people to feel like they have hit a brick wall. They have been consistent with their training and their diet, but they aren't seeing the results to match that. And it can be quite disheartening. So they think that they have hit a plateau. Now, I just want to explain to you what is classed as a plateau and how you can go around that or to figure out if you're actually in one or not. Because what happens is, and speaking from experience with clients, if someone has tried really hard for a full week to keep everything right, they've got their steps in, they have reached their calories, they haven't gone beyond them, they've uh, hit their protein goal, they've got all their training in, they slept well, their stress isn't bad, um, they've drank plenty of fluids. When you get all of those right and you still don't see a result the following week, it can be really disheartening. And I'm sure a lot of you have been in that situation before. And it's tempting to be like, right, well, I need to cut my calories then, obviously, or I need to increase my exercise or whatever it might be that enters your head to try and push a little bit harder. But you need to make sure, first of all, that you're actually hitting a plateau. And I'm going to be speaking more towards females in this because that's my mainly the people that I work with are females um, working towards fat loss and there's a reason for today's episode being based more so on females hitting a plateau down to their hormones that males just don't have that same um, issue with. So I'm going to speak about first a plateau and what how can you tell if you're reaching a plateau. So of course, we know that fat loss or weight loss isn't linear. It's it's far from it. You'll have weeks and days where your weight will jump up and come back down and up and down. You won't be able to adhere 100% to everything every day. We're human. You, you won't be able to be 100% all the time. So that's just something that you have to be aware of. But it's how you deal with it that's important. So I would consider a plateau as about two to three weeks of not seeing results. So not seeing measurable change in either your weight, your body fat, or your body composition um, around two to three weeks. Um, you can step on the scales, you can take body fat percentage tests, you can take measurements, you can take pictures. And if you feel like you haven't seen results in any one form of those, then you need to ask yourself, have you been consistent? That's the first question I always ask my clients is, okay, first of all, we need to make sure that yes, you did everything that you should have done this week. Because a lot of the time, what will happen is people might be like, oh, I didn't lose this week. Um, but then we'll dig in and maybe they um, had a few days they went over their calories um, their actual average calories were higher than they should have been throughout the week. Um, they might have been less active that week if they were busy with work, their daily activity was down. Um, little things like that come out then. So it's important that you review your week and see was everything on track for you. And if it was, then you look at, okay, why has things not changed? Why have why has your weight not reduced? Um, and weighing scales here can be a good measure. And they do get a bad rap a lot of the time. 
But I feel like as long as my clients are aware of reasons why their scales may increase or not reduce, then they, and they don't emotionally connect with that, then it's fine to use them as a measure. If someone has a really bad relationship with the scales in that they do let it ruin their day and they don't take into account the reasons why the scales can fluctuate quite a lot, then no, it's not going to be ideal for someone like that to use weighing scales all the time for a measure of fat loss or weight loss. So the for plateaus or people who think they have reached a plateau, a big issue with females in this regard is because it comes down to a lot of the time water retention due to hormones. And something that I think a lot of people need to be more aware of is their actual hormones and their cycle as females. So your menstrual cycle, knowing about it, knowing and tracking it, knowing when your um, period starts, knowing when your period ends, having an idea of when you're in ovulation, all of these things can be so, so helpful for you on your fat loss journey. And if you just wing it and don't really pay attention to that, then you're leaving out a big chunk of um, reasons why your weight can fluctuate so much from week to week and from month to month. So I think first of all, I want to just go through roughly the female cycle and get people to be more aware of the link that it can have with your goals. So obviously it starts off with menstruation and this is the onset of your period. You know, you're bleeding from the lining of your uterus. This will last about, everyone's different. That's the thing. Everyone's cycle is different. But generic and usually we say that it lasts around three to five days an average cycle can be anything from 21 to like 35 days but usually you'll see 28 days as the norm and that's just used to be able to talk you through the stages of your period or your menstrual cycle um, so that you understand it easier so when menstruation starts that and and you start to bleed and that's your period that is the start of your follicular phase and you can split the follicular phase into two halves kind of and it lasts about two weeks so let's say you get the onset of your cycle then the first two weeks will be classed as the follicular phase and then it's ovulation and then the last two weeks are classed as your luteal phase so that's kind of how it's laid out so what happens at each stage is obviously your cycle begins then you're in the follicular phase first half of that usually you're um you have two obviously main hormones as a female is your progesterone and your estrogen these are quite low in the follicular phase at the start but gradually increase um estrogen gradually increases at this phase and it'll peak around the end of your follicular phase so that would be around two weeks in just before ovulation so ovulation then is around halfway if we're talking that a regular cycle would be 28 days which again that can vary so ovulation is basically when the egg is released um into the fallopian tubes and that then starts the second half of the cycle which will be classed as the luteal phase and again this is like the last two weeks and can be split into the first half of the luteal phase and the second half of the luteal phase and again this is just after ovulation occurs in the luteal phase you'll have progesterone and estrogen gradually increasing at the start of the luteal phase so you're talking maybe around week three and they'll peak mid-luteal phase 
so the end of week three. What happens here is your body temperature slightly increases. And this can be a good indicator to people who are going off topic from fat loss. But people who are looking to conceive, your temperature should slightly increase um, around this time. So if you are trying to figure out when you're ovulating and stuff, it can be a good idea to check your temperature throughout your cycle. So then the late luteal phase, which would be around week three to four, your progesterone estrogen start to drop again. This is usually when you get PMS. And that is your symptoms. People might get them as cramps. People get them as headaches. People get them as nausea. Everyone is different. This is around the four to seven days before your cycle starts again. So basically the last four to seven days of the luteal phase, which is just before menstruation occurs again. So that's just a brief summary of your actual cycle and what happens. Now, the reason why I wanted to go through that is because that can have an effect on your fat loss or your perceived plateau. So it's important that you are aware of those different phases and different weeks throughout your cycle. So I'm just going to leave that to the side now and move on and go back to plateaus and why plateaus can occur. And then this cycle talk will come into account later on then. So one main reason that I do feel... um, people think that they hit a plateau and they actually don't is because they just actually didn't adhere to their diet when they thought they did. So that's when I say if you get people to actually dig back to the previous week and ask themselves, what did I have this day? Did I, oh, look, I didn't track my food for the second half of that day. Um, Oh, I can't really remember what I had. Oh no, I definitely didn't eat that much. This is what you get. You have to track your food whether you write it down, whether you take pictures, whether whether you use an app, it doesn't matter. But if you're trying to be quite strict with your fat loss in terms of you're worried about a plateau, then you are someone that needs to be tracking your food. So not adhering to the diet and everybody, like I said, we're all human, we'll all deviate in one way, um, shape or form. And we sometimes will forget about those little tastes of food that we had when we were cooking. The bite that you had, if you have kids and you're putting their dinner in, that's just such a common one. You're making lunches and you have a little taste here and there. These add up over the course of a day. And it can be as simple as um, not tracking or not tracking your milk and your coffee, let's say, and you completely just disregard it and, um, or not tracking the second half of a day's food and thinking that you just had your dinner and it was just a salad. But then you forget the little, you know, the piece of dark chocolate you had there, the rice cake you had here, things that you just didn't put down. And then you class yourself as um, adhering to your diet when in fact you actually didn't. So banking calories is a really good way to be able to do this. So if you bank your calories and um, let's say during the week you save one to 200 calories each day so that by the weekend you have a little bit more calories to play around with a little bit more flexibility this can be a really good way to help you adhere to your diet so this might be something you want to look at if you are someone that looks back after not reaching your goal one week and you realize that you actually didn't adhere to your diet at all so keep that in mind that banking your calories and having maybe a little high day can be beneficial for you so the other thing then which is on the same track but slightly different is underestimating or mistracking 
the food that you intake. So you still track and you track everything down, but you underestimate the amount of food. So this is usually unknowingly. Um, and this is people normally that think they're eating less than what they actually are. And studies have shown that this happens so much and underestimation of food can be from like 30 to 80% in some of the studies that are done. And that is a massive number. So like people have poor ideas of what portion sizes actually are and what calories are in food. So that's why I do think it's important that people do track their food for a couple of weeks to get used to that, to be like, to realize, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, a tablespoon of peanut butter is like a hundred calories, things like that so that you're aware. So there's gradual increases in our own uh, portion sizes in society nowadays anyway. So that can skew our idea of what's a normal portion um and another thing that people do when they underestimate their food like I mentioned in the last one whether you do it knowingly or unknowingly is let's say you add milk to your coffee and your tea and you have four to six cups a day but you're not tracking that and then over the course of a day and two days and three days and over the course of a week that can add up to quite a lot especially when you're getting towards the end of a dieting phase when you know everything counts um at the start you might get away with it but if you're trying to be strict and um reach a specific goal you might want to think about this towards the end of your diet a really really common one that i mentioned um peanut butter being uh, x amount of calories but measuring peanut butter and nut butters as well is something that people often at the start, you might be quite strict with it and you know everything's a level tablespoon. You have your little measures and that's great or your weight and the scales and stuff. But then it might be that you take a, that uh, tablespoon and you're having a heaped tablespoon, which is now could be 50 to 100% extra to what you actually should be having, but you still track it as one tablespoon. Or the cup of rice that you know you normally have it completely level and um, the, the cooked rice is in a, a neat portion of one cup. But then as you get lazier and lazier, you heap that cup and again, you have another extra 30, 40 grams worth of rice that you haven't accounted for because you're like, nah, I measured a cup, even though the cup is overspilling. It's hard to do this with liquids, but things like um potato or things like um rice and pasta, um quinoa, things like that, like this the starchy foods that you would add to your meals, and maybe you use a measuring cup to measure them out, can be really easy to overconsume. Same with peanut butter. So just think about that if you are someone that has started to get a little bit lazy with their tracking or just fooling yourself really with um, the portion that you're actually tracking versus the portion that you're actually having. So um, like I said, I do think it's really important that people do learn to track their food, whether it's through an app, whether they just Google certain foods that they have regularly. Um, if you track your food for one to two weeks, you are learning the calories in that food. You're learning what a portion size should be. You're learning um, the macronutrients in it. So what foods have what? So if you're always hearing about protein and you're having, let's say, porridge for breakfast and you realize, actually, I'm barely having any por uh, protein with my breakfast, I need to think about now how I can add in some ways to have this because you just aren't aware of the macronutrients in certain foods. 
So it can be really informative to track your food for those couple of weeks. And then if you feel like you're happy to continue on without tracking, great. But then if you hit a plateau or a perceived plateau, you need to start tracking again. So you do need to try and um, be aware of this and it'll make you more mindful and aware of food in general because we as humans will just eat for the sake of it and mindlessly. So if we're stressed, we'll eat. If we're bored, we'll eat. You know, unlike animals who will eat when they're hungry, as we have progressed as humans, we are just turning to food for every occasion. Um, so it's very easy to overconsume now, especially just with the variety of foods and the ease of access of foods. So you do want to be aware of that and tracking your food can be a way to bring that awareness to you for how much you're actually eating. Um, so yeah, that's just a few ways to see how you might be over consuming or underestimating your food, which might make you feel like you're hitting a plateau when actual fact, you just need to tighten up on how you're tracking your food. But then if we move in, we have water retention and this can be a real reason for you thinking that you've hit a plateau. So if you've ruled out that, you know, you're not underestimating your food, you're not um, uh, mistracking or anything like that, you still aren't sure why your progress isn't showing, then you have water retention, which is a huge factor in this. And this is where you could have perfect adherence to a diet um, and your training and you still are getting that apparent like plateau that you're like, why is this not working? And something that I think you need to be aware of as well is how you're tracking. So if you're using the scales, fine, you'll see that the weight is fluctuating. If you're using the BIA, so bioelectrical impedance, um, this is the scales that you will step on. A lot of people do body fat percentage tests with. One thing you need to be aware with these is that they are very sensitive to water. So if you are using them to track your body fat percentage or your weight, you're best to do this first thing in the morning before you've eaten or drank anything. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is that they will do it at random times. So if you're taking it one morning um, fasted and then you do it then three weeks later and it's in the evening after you've had dinner or after a class where you've been drinking water and sweating and all the variables are mixed up, then you are going to get skewed results and you need to know that. So keep it consistent with when you are taking those measurements as well. So most water retention is down to an increase in like or stress hormone or cortisol levels and it can be brought on for so many different reasons. Our female hormones I mentioned at the start through our menstrual cycle um, that comes into play as well with water retention which I want to explain um, a little bit further. Um, what people will do whenever they see a perceived plateau is that they'll think right I need to drop my calories now and I need to ramp up my training um, what you will do there is exacerbate the situation you're just going to drive cortisol further up which is going to hold on to more water which is going to make you feel like you're seeing even less results so that is really what you do not want to do even though it feels like what you should do especially when you're panicking it is the last thing that you should do realistically so the other things then you have is just your general life stress can come um, at different stages and you need to be aware that this will also increase your cortisol levels increase your water retention 
Um, it'll a drop in leptin is our uh, satiety hormone, which tells us when we're full to stop eating. Um, that can happen when we're dieting as well. And then you have like puffiness feeling from water retention. Um, you know, you feel like you're bloated. You just feel like you look fat. That is literally how people say it. They're like, I feel fat and I don't know why because I'm sticking to my diet and I don't know why I, why it's not working. So often after two to three weeks, that's why I mentioned two to three weeks at the start, that if you don't get a drop after that in your weight, then you can consider it as a plateau. But what often happens is after two to three weeks, you'll see a sudden drop in your weight. And that is why I say when you see after one week that you're not seeing a result, don't t- make it take any drastic measures. If you see after two weeks, again, unless it's just tightening up your tracking of your food and stuff, don't take any drastic measures. But after three weeks, if you don't see a drop, then yes, maybe you have hit a plateau and things need to change slightly. But it's very common that you will see a sudden drop in your body weight after two to three weeks. This is not overnight. This is not you being like, oh, see, I didn't eat carbohydrates yesterday or I didn't eat this this week or, um, you know, I'm, I'm putting it down to something that you did that week. No, you have a sudden drop because you have been getting a drop each week, but it's just been water retention hiding that for you. And then you get that sudden drop. And that's just your progress for the past couple of weeks coming at once. Are you being visible to you, let's say? So don't think that it's overnight um, success and something that you've done in the last couple of days has brought that on. It's just your consistency and you're not going and taking drastic measures. That is how water retention works. It will sort itself out after a couple of weeks. <coughs> so other times that you'll see sudden drop in your weight is when someone, let's say, who has been dieting for a couple of months, they just get fed up and they're like, can't do this for much longer. So they'll just bring their calories back up to maintenance and they might have a couple of days off training because they're just fed up. They won't go mad, but they'll bring their calories back up a couple hundred to their maintenance level. Not training means less stress on the body. Not dieting by bringing your calories up to maintenance means less stress again, which means your cortisol decreases, which means your water retention will decrease, which means you might see a sudden drop in your weight as well. So sometimes it is good to do that, to have a little mini break, so that you can reduce your cortisol levels. So people always think they need to increase their training, increase their training. Sometimes it's a case of you need to pull back a little bit, let your body relax a bit, get your cortisol levels down, let's see how you cope over the next couple of days, and then go back to what you were doing. So um, when we get, or when fat loss occurs, I suppose, in the body, um, we'll we'll lose fat from our cells, and this can refill then with water. And um, it makes fat loss actually less noticeable. So whereas you might have lost some fat, it has been replaced with water for the time being. So um, you won't see it, let's say, on the scales or you feel like you might still look a little bit puffy or to touch, you're not as um, toned, let's say. So water retention comes in in different forms and you just need to be aware of it um, and when it can be not 
when you're thinking that you're in a plateau and you're not basically and when it's down to water retention so like I said now that's that's why water retention is a big big factor when people think that they've hit a plateau but actually it, it's just down to that water and there's a few things that you can do to try and help it so number one is you just have to be patient um not taking that drastic measure of decrease calories increase exercise or energy expenditure that's the last thing you want to do hopefully you realize that now um so uh, assuming that you are uh, adhering to your diet well and you're consistently training and everything is good you just need to be patient so water retention and cortisol it's unlikely to go beyond three weeks so like I said give it that two to three week mark See if you um, get a drop then. If you don't, okay, you can change something. But give yourself two to three weeks of being consistent at what you're doing rather than just one week and then going crazy. Um, avoiding that aggressive cut and um, increased calories is just you limiting the amount of stress that you're adding onto the already increased cortisol levels. Um, if you drastically increase your aerobic output or your cardio, uh, it'll come back to bite you. Whereas if you slowly add in a little bit of cardio, you know, 10 minutes at the end of a session, every couple of days, over time, that will be more benefit to you than just drastically increasing and adding two, three hours of cardio every day, just because you think that has to work. Have a rest day as well. And this will help to de de-stress you. So your body is under stress when it's training. You have to realize that. So the rest days are just as important. Having at least one rest day if not two, can be really beneficial for cortisol levels and water retention and all the rest. So stress reduction in terms of like meditation, stretching, yoga, even like a glass of wine, these things have a de-stressing effect and can actually be beneficial for you um, in your fat loss journey. Um, bringing your calories back up to maintenance is the last one. And that's one that I mentioned already. So for someone that's been dieting for a couple of weeks or months and is just fed up, they might bring back up to maintenance and um, have a little break from their training and they'll notice a difference after they go back to normal then with their dieting phase. Um, some people class them as refeeds. Um, some people will have a complete, let's say, diet break where they might do seven days or seven to 14 days where they'll bring their calories back up to maintenance depending on the person or the stage that they're at they'll do it as a block or they might um do it let's say someone who's training or athletes have lower intakes on their uh, rest days and then higher intakes on their training days and that's just known as fueling for the work that's required so it stands to sense the days that you're training you'll need more calories the days that you're resting you'll need less so you can do it that way as well so that you're not in that continuous deficit and trying to train really hard on those days and struggling to stick to your diet on those days whereas if you can have a rest day less energy is expended less energy is input through calories and the opposite then on your training days that can balance out your week as well so I hope that helps um the last thing I want to go through is females taking their weight at different times during their cycle and the effect that water retention can have at those different stages. So as a female dieting, 
I said at the start that it's important that you're aware of your cycle and the different phases of your cycle. This reason is down to water retention that can vary and fluctuate throughout the month. And if you're aware of this, then you can compare your results from month to month rather than week to week. So let's say that you are someone that is 70 kilos and you're trying to lose weight in a sustainable way. So you're in it for the long term. You should be aiming to lose between a half a percent and one percent of your body weight each week. And that is showing that you're on track. And I always say this to my clients, I'm like, what's half a percent of your body weight now? Okay, have you reached that this week in a drop? Yes. Even though it might not seem like much, you are on track. What you're doing is correct and you just need to continue to do that. People want to see these big drops consistently and it's not possible. It's not sustainable. It is possible for a short term, but it's not sustainable. So you might, that 70 kg person, 1% of that obviously is 0.7 kilos or 700 grams. Half a percent is half of that. So 350 grams or 0.35 kilos. If you lose 0.3 kilos or 0.4 kilos in a week, a lot of the time people are like, well, that's not enough. That's, that's nothing. Oh, I barely lost. And I don't think people take this into account enough that that is exactly what you should be losing. And that is what you want to do again next week and the the next week. It's all well and good you losing two kilos one week and then nothing for the next couple of weeks and then gaining because you got fed up. You need to be aware that what your weight is, what your expected loss is, and then keep a track of that throughout your month. And there will be times that you might not see the drop that you have because it will be covered with water retention. So I mentioned the early follicular phase, and that's just after menstruation occurs. And you might see a drop that week. But then the following week, you might see an increase. And then the week after, which would be around ovulation or the early luteal phase, you might see an even bigger drop. And then the week after that, an even bigger increase, which is because it's the week before your menstruation again. So those four different readings can really mess with you in terms of what you think you're achieving in terms of fat loss. And if you are aware that actually the reason why my weight increased in the second week there was because I know that I'm just about to ovulate. So I'm going to be holding a little bit more water with the changes in my hormones. And then after ovulation, after the egg is released, the following week when you weigh in, you'll see a drop again. And it might be lower than the drop that you've seen the week before. And you'll be delighted and that's great. But then the following week where you're now probably PMSing and it's up to a week before your cycle starts again, you see an even bigger increase. And it can be disheartening, I know that, but you need to just take control and be aware of your cycle and when these things happen in your cycle. So if you can compare it on a monthly basis and say, right, well, actually, this time last month, I took my weight and I had the same thing. I've seen another big drop there. So you know that every, let's say, early luteal phase, so just after your ovulation, you see a big drop. So that's like your, let's say, best week of your month. There's your uh, weight loss 
for the last couple of weeks. I tell people don't even weigh yourself in the last phase. So like your late luteal phase, um, just before menstruation starts again, don't even weigh yourself because some people gain so much weight in water retention that it really is off-putting. So sometimes it's better just to ignore that week and then weigh yourself again the following week. So instead of you panicking week to week to week and not even considering your cycle as a female to be anything to do with your fat loss, start thinking about, actually, there's a reason for this. I um I, I'm in my third week of my cycle. Um, I'd say I'm just after ovulating. Um, okay, this is why I have a drop, or this is why I've gained. I'm just about to ovulate, or you know, having a little talk with yourself and tracking your menstrual cycle and being like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, and you'll be likely to keep going with what you're doing if you're seeing that over month by month that you're decreasing your weight. Or you're comparing each phase each month with with each phase. So let's say um, the onset of your period each month, you take your weight then and you do it every month. And then the onset of ovulation each month, you take your period then and you take it every month and you compare those um, stats versus each other. And um, the early luteal phase, so just after ovulation, you take your weight that week as well, which is usually the bigger drop, and you compare those weeks. And maybe that's the best one you can compare on a monthly basis. So I hope that that gives you an idea of why you might think you've reached the plateau, but why you should just be patient, keep doing what you're doing. Of course, going back to, you need to make sure, first of all, that you are adhering to your diet. And it's not another reason that, you know, you're just mistracking or you're not tracking at all. That's separate. That's when you know that actually you've not had a plateau at all. You don't even have water retention. Maybe you're just not tracking your food. You're not taking it serious enough. But if you're someone that's in the middle of a dieting process and really, really struggling and not understanding why these things aren't moving faster or fluctuating or whatever's going on, start to think about these things now in a way that you can compare them from one month to the next at different stages of your cycle to the next. And you can do this in in, um, terms of your calories as well. So when I mentioned there, bringing it back up to maintenance, you could do this or similar or just below maintenance, so less of a deficit, around the week of the late luteal phase. So just think your PMS week, the week before you get your period. You can start saying, okay, I'm going to give myself a different calorie and take that week. I'm going to, instead of having 1,500 calories as my deficit, um, I know that my maintenance is around 2,000. So I'm going to bring my calories up to 18, 1,900 the week of my week before my period because I know that I get cravings and I need a little bit more flexibility and I don't want to go off the rails and if you're trying to stick to 1500 and you go over it it can be disheartening and you can just throw in the towel for the week and then start again and if you are more aware and are like right now this I know that I'm going to get cravings here um and I struggle a lot with PMS I'm just gonna put in for that now and be prepared for it give myself, you know, the 18, 19, 2000 calories, and then um, go back to normal then after that. Start thinking of a bigger picture, start thinking of monthly basis, start looking at your calories on a weekly basis, um, start looking at your cycle, start comparing your cycle month to month. And be patient is the most important thing I can say to you. I know it's so hard and I always have clients and I'm like, okay, look, just give it another week. Don't want to do anything drastic yet. Just give it another week. Let's see. Because as I said, that two to three weeks, you might see a sudden drop then. So 
that's where I'll leave it. Uh, apologies for any men listening to this, but maybe you've learned something. <laughs> um, ladies, I hope you have learned something with regard to how your cycle is related to your fat loss journey and how it might be to do with that perceived plateau that you have reached when actually if you were just patient and rode that plateau through for two or three weeks instead of throwing in the towel you might actually see that drop so just give it time um i'll leave that there if you have any questions on this obviously you can always drop me a message calories and carbs on instagram same on facebook or calories and carbs at gmail.com for my email